there are Christians who talk about the wonders of the Christian life and the greatness of God's word and the glories of Jesus Christ. And they will tell you that now that they know Christ, he has given them love and joy and peace. He's given them a new life, a purpose for living. They get along better with people. Their relationships are better. But then you discover that their marriage is a disaster. The great truths of the Christian life and the Bible don't seem to be working for them. Something is wrong. It seems these days that disastrous marriages are about as common as opinions. Practically everyone has one and many people have had several of them. But it need not be that way. There is great hope for Christian families. We have wonderful advantages and we'll be learning about them over the next several lessons You're listening to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class led by Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been ministering at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida for over 25 years. Verse by Verse Ministries grew out of a desire to enable more people to learn from his clear, expository style of teaching. If you've never heard Pastor Steve's teaching before, I think you're in for a treat as well as some statements that will bring real conviction as the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts. We encourage you to take notes, so get your note-taking equipment ready if you have it. And now here's Pastor Steve. Last summer, I had one of the funniest things happen to me, and I've I've never shared this with you. It just sort of, uh, I I remembered it this week in preparing the message. We were in uh, Arizona, and I was returning our car, our our rental car, uh, to the Phoenix airport. As I was driving there, I turned on the radio and I heard a talk show in in which a a man was being interviewed, a man who had written a book on how to remember things, you know, these memory books like names and uh, addresses and phone numbers. And he was being interviewed by the host. Apparently there were a few hosts on this show. And uh, during the course of the conversation, the the interviewer was, was interviewing this man, and um, the expert on the memory said this. He said something like this, Bob, my book is, and he went on and on, and the interviewer said, the host said, uh, excuse me, my name is not Bob. It's Bill. He said, oh, oh yeah, I, I know that. And I thought, that's incredible. Well, it went on next for a few minutes, and he said the same thing again. He said, and Bob, my book, he said, excuse me, my, my name is Bill. And I, I, I thought, this must be a joke. They must be putting me on. It was not a put on. After the man went off the, uh, the air, uh, the, the um, interviewers, the hosts and his colleagues had the biggest laugh over this guy. Imagine, because they realized how absurd this was. I, I wish I could have taped this. It was unbelievable. Uh, imagine the absurdity of it. Uh, here's a man who's out to sell you his book on how to remember, and he can't remember the name of the man who's interviewing him. I mean, that is, that is ludicrous. Now, after hearing something like that, you really don't want to know about this book, and I certainly didn't care about this book, because no matter... How good the book was, it didn't appear to work for the man. That's, that's the point. He was a very poor advertisement for his book. Now, in a similar way, there are Christians who talk about the wonders of the Christian life 
and the greatness of God's word and the glories of Jesus Christ, then they will tell you that now that they know Christ, he has given them love and joy and peace. He's given them a new life, a purpose for living. They get along better with people. Their relationships are better. But then you discover that their marriage is a disaster. The great truths of the Christian life and the Bible don't seem to be working for them. Something is wrong. Uh, they, they don't have a good relationship with the person they live with. And it's just as ludicrous as that man who said, uh, my book on, remembering, on memory will, will help you and he can't remember their names. See, it's the same thing. You, you, you delve into this marriage and you see and hear that uh, they don't have effective communication. They hardly talk to each other. Or if they do, it's an argument. The husband's thinks that being the head of the home means that he can't be questioned by his wife or else she's not submissive. They no longer treat each other with love and respect. They constantly argue and fight. In fact, uh, in some cases, they don't talk at all. The wife runs the household because the husband can't make a decision. There's discontentment there. There's bitterness. Their sexual life is is just a, a, a routine. They have un resolved conflicts, they have a lot of anger, and it's just a rotten marriage. But they'll tell you that the Christian life is wonderful. No wonder it was Field Marshal Montgomery who said to his young troops one day, said, gentlemen, don't even think of marriage until you have mastered the art of warfare. That's what he said. Now, if, if that somewhat describes your marriage, then you are a poor advertisement for the book. It's just as ridiculous to say that that man who wrote a book on memory was a good advertisement for his book is to say that if our marriages aren't what they should be, that we are good advertisements for the book that we believe to be the word of God. And, and the reason that it's, we're poor advertisements is because the Bible tells us how to, how to get along with people, especially the people we're with most of the time, especially the people we live with. But I want you to know, and I, and I want to stress this, that there's hope. There is hope for every and any marriage. Because unlike a book on, on memory, the Bible is a perfect book. You say, where is there hope if it's a perfect book? Well, listen to me. The Bible is a perfect book inspired by a perfect God. And we are not perfect. We are not perfect. Nor are we married to perfect people. Now, I didn't need to tell you that you're not married to a perfect person. But I didn't, didn't need to tell you that you're not perfect. You say, well, where, where is the hope? Just listen a little further. This morning, we're going to begin, and we are beginning a series on the family, stressing the husband and wife relationship, though we'll deal with, with a number of issues. And the basic truth that has to guide us is this. No family member is perfect. Christian husbands and wives sin. They sin. Christian parents often fail, and they sin. Christian children often fail and they sin. It's the doctrine of human depravity. It's not just somebody else's child. Your child sins. My children sin. I stress that because there are some people who think that the doctrine of human depravity applies to everybody else's kids, not theirs. Theirs could never do anything. That's, that's bad. You see, a family is made up of sinners. And then you may ask, then how is a Christian family different from a non-Christian family? And here's the hope. I'm going to give you three principles that have to guide our study 
as we study this whole issue, not just this morning, but throughout this series. And these three principles give us hope. Now, I want you to also realize that I am not speaking to just young couples. I'm speaking to, to all couples, and I'm speaking to those who hope to get married, and I'm speaking to young people who will grow up and get married. But don't think because you've been married 30, 40 years that you've got it all together. Some of the worst marriages I know are people who have been married the longest amount of time. It's just they've lived this way so long, they, they've really lost hope. They just tolerate the situation. God doesn't want you to tolerate it. So let's look at, at three principles that, that need to guide us. And these pre, three principles give us hope. Number one, Christians admit their sins. That's why we're different than the non-Christian when we have marital problems. Christians admit their sin. First John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10 say this. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, there are some who profess to know Jesus Christ, who somehow, when you're dealing with their marriages, think that it's always the other person's fault. Let's think about that for a moment. As we go through this study, you will be faced with your sin. I will be faced with my sin. And some of this will hurt, and some of it will hurt deeply. Because you know why? Not only will we feel guilty, we are guilty. And when you are faced with sin, you can have one of, of two responses. You can either face your sin, admit it, admit that it's true about you, or you can make excuses. You can rationalize away your behavior. Well, my parents treated me this way, or I have a certain condition, and that's why I'm like this, or, uh, or, or things are rough at work. You can try to excuse it. You can try to rationalize your behavior. You can try to justify your sin or blame someone else for your sin, but it won't fly in the face of Scripture. Oftentimes, I've noticed when couples come to see me for marital counseling that they often blame the other person. And their attitude is, if this person, if my spouse had his act together or her act together, then I would not do what I do. Well, throw that right away because the Bible says you are not responsible for your spouse. Someday you will stand before God and give an account of your life and God's not going to ask you about anybody else but you. It does not matter how your, sp how your spouse behaves. God's not going to ask you about that. You're not responsible for them. Don't become an expert on your spouse's behavior. And I want to warn you up front. There's a real tendency to do that. I, I once conducted a home Bible study uh, with some young people. And uh, when I say young people, young, young uh, couples were there. It was for baseball players. And uh, I said something. And this one woman just nudged her husband and said, See, that's what you do. Well, don't have that attitude. Don't have that attitude. That may be true. I'm sure it was true that he did that. But the point is, don't become an expert on what he or she is supposed to do. Become an expert on what you're supposed to do. Don't start applying the things to your spouse. Just pray for them. Don't become a nag. Say, did you hear what the pastor said this morning? You need to do. That's not what this series is about. It's what you need to do. Let the Spirit of God deal with what your husband or wife needs to do. Now, if you do make excuses and you do shift the blame, then this series won't help you. 
In fact, you might as well not even not even show up because you if you don't have a problem, you're not going to change. You're not going to repent. Why should you repent or change if you don't have a sin problem? If it's somebody else's fault, if you're a victim. That's not what the Bible teaches, though, but it will not help you. You can't have victory over sinful living patterns unless you recognize your sin and say, I am responsible before God. It's not some condition I have that makes me do this. I am responsible before God. You see, if if we would just pour our time and effort into replacing sinful uh, patterns with biblical patterns, rather than covering our tracks or denying our guilt, then we could solve some real problems. If people would just spend that time and energy, what I'm saying, and instead of trying to cover up, just admit it and deal with it and learn what the Bible says, then you could solve some problems. You see, there's hope when you face the problem of sin. If it's not sin, if it's some condition or something, then there's no hope. But there is hope. Finger pointing is nothing new. Adam did it back there in the Garden of Eden. When God confronted him about his sin, Adam said, The woman you gave me. He not only blamed his sin on Eve, he ultimately blamed it on God. And we still do that to this day. But as Pastor Steve said, there is hope for us if we will recognize and address our sin issue. God wants to help us overcome it. You're listening to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class taught by Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, since 1981. Now, let's get back to the classroom. Here's Pastor Steve. Secondly, second principle that gives us hope, a Christian family knows what to do about their sin. Non-Christians don't. Christians know or should know what to do. You see, we know that the Bible deals with the problems we encounter in our family life. At least we should know that. And if you don't know that, I'm going to tell you that. The Bible has answers to your problems. Secular psychology does not. Television does not. Soap operas don't have answers to your problems. I read recently in a non-Christian book, someone said this, American, America's television version of Merry-Go-Round starts with the dating game, moves to the newlywed game, ends up in divorce court, followed by a love connection and the new dating game. That's television's interpretation of Merry-Go-Round. Would you turn to Psalm 1? I want to read you Psalm 1, and, and I want you to think of it in terms of the counseling and advice people are giving about marriage and problems, even apart from marriage. Verse 1 of Psalm 1, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, not call television's counsel wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, this is the man who's blessed by God, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. And he'll be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and whatever he does he prospers. See, the Bible tells us how to live with each other. Do you know that? The Bible tells us how to live with each other. In fact, Ephesians 4 tells us about healthy communication. It says speaking the truth in love. If you have anger, Ephesians 4 tells us about anger. There are many couples that are just angry at one another. Do you have a problem with, with vulgar language, rotten speech? Ephesians 4 says that. Do you have a problem with bitterness? Ephesians 4 says that. That's just one chapter. 
which says that the that we put off the old man and now we need to live like the new man. Ephesians 4 tells us these things. Some of the basic answers to our problems getting along with our spouse is found in Ephesians chapter four. We won't take the time to go through all of that, at least not now, but we will in weeks to, to come. You see, there's hope for your marriage and family because God has answers. The world does not have answers. A third principle that gives hope for a marriage. Christians make progress in the areas of righteous behavior. We need to hear that. We are sinners, yes, and we will not be perfect, yes, until Jesus takes us home. But we do make progress, and we need to encourage ourselves by that truth. We make progress. We, theologians call this progressive sanctification. We are becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. If you are not becoming more and more like Jesus Christ, then you are not a Christian. We are becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Therefore, the hope is we can and we do change habits. That's why it's very hopeful. You are not a victim. You are not condemned to a lifestyle of which you are a slave. You got into a certain habit of responding the wrong way to a problem. You can get out of that habit. Habits can be changed. And there is progress. And it gives tremendous hope. We're making progress. So there's hope for your marriage and there's hope for your family relations. And this morning what we want to deal with, we want to lay the foundation by going over the basics. The basics of marriage. There are basic truths found in Genesis chapter 2 that will help us lay the foundation. So we want to cover three basic truths about marriage. Uh, Some of this information is elementary. Uh, For some of you it will be brand new. For others it will come across in a fresh way. It does not matter. It's the truth that sets us free. So whether you've heard this a million times before is not the issue. The issue is you need to apply it. You need to believe this. Number one, the first basic truth about marriage is that marriage is good. You say, that's all? Is that, is that as deep as you're going to go? Yeah. Marriage is good. When you are in the midst of a difficult marital situation, it's important to be reminded that God created marriage for our good. He said it was good. He created it to be beneficial to us. It is not a tolerable necessity. And there are some couples who feel like they are stuck with one another and they're just going to tolerate a real bad situation and uh, they can get very annoyed at the Lord. That's, that's sin. That's wrong. That ought to be confessed. That's a wicked attitude. The Bible teaches in Genesis chapter 2, beginning at verse 18, actually in verse 18, that marriage is good. Let's look at this. This is right at the beginning. God is creating man and woman and and it's right after the creation of Adam. The Bible says, And the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. Now, God had previously pronounced everything as good. His creation was good. Before sin had happened, it was good. And even the creation of man was good. But there was something about man's situation that was not good. It was not good for Adam to be alone. Now, Adam had a lot going for him. You know, that's, that's really interesting to think about. Adam had a lot of wonderful things going for him before he was married. He had a beautiful home. He, he was in the Garden of Eden. Gorgeous home. He had a good job. He had a job. Where do you read that? Verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate, cultivate it and keep it. He didn't have thorns. He didn't have weeds. 
was before the fall of man. So he had, he had a beautiful home, the garden. He had a great job, the best. In fact, the only one. And he had, and he had a, a relationship with the Lord. He had a relationship with the Lord, verses 16 and 17. But from the tr- God said, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat, eat from it, you shall surely die. And, and let's look at verse um, 16. I jumped to verse 17. But it says, the Lord God commanded the man, saying, from any tree of the garden you may freely eat. And then he said, but one you shall not. So there was a relationship. God was giving him commands and Adam was responding at first. So there was a relationship. But there was something missing in Adam's life, and it was simply human companionship. Human, human companionship. We read in verse 18, The Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Now, I know that the King James Version says, A helpmeet, which, which really obscures the point, because we don't talk like that, and, and we don't understand that. So let me explain. The point is that, that Adam needed someone who was suitable to be his helper. It was a suitable, unique helper. That's what help me means. Someone who is his helper who corresponds to him. Without a wife, Adam was really incomplete. He needed a woman who would complement what was lacking in him. Someone who would be his unique helper. Someone uniquely suitable to be his counterpart. See, even though he was perfect in the sense of sinless, he was still incomplete. Without a wife. You know why marriage is good? It's good because a man needs a woman. And a woman needs a man. That's why it's good, because we need one another. You see, in our society, we have just about lost this understanding of marriage as two individuals who need one another to be complete. The concept of a wife being her husband's helper is an insult to many women. And and you know that. It may even be an insult to you as I say this. They see themselves as liberated from that role. I, I have a friend whose daughter is in a major university in this state. And uh, her major is home economics. And I said, oh, how many are in her major? He said, 20. 20 women in her major of home economics. And you know why? Because it seems so demeaning. So demeaning for a woman to study about uh, taking care of a home, taking care of her husband. That's a, a, that's a, you see, it's an insult to women today to say that God created woman to be a helper To a man, she wants to be liberated from that. You see, it's only though when a wife realizes that God created her to help her husband that she is liberated from being a slave to the role that society dictates and pressures her and intimidates her to take. That's really what's happening. We are out of time for today, but there is plenty more to come in this study on the biblical family. This is just part one of three parts to Pastor Steve's message that is titled Basics for the Biblical Family. And this is just the first of several messages covering the biblical family. If today's lesson seemed familiar to you, don't be surprised. We wanted to start a message series at the beginning. So we selected the biblical family series because it is of relevance to so many people. You have been listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is our instructor. Pastor Steve's clear, expository teaching at Lakeside Community Chapel has expanded to include verse-by-verse ministries. You'll find Lakeside at 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater, Florida. Just take Sunset Point Road west from US-19. We are halfway between Highway 19 and the beach. 
You'll find the Verse by Verse website at versebyverseradio.org. If you visit our website, you'll be able to listen to today's program again. You might like to sign up for our free podcasting service so that you don't miss any of the programs. There is also a link for subscribing to our complimentary newsletter. That web address is versebyverseradio.org. If you would like to hear this entire message, which we've split into three parts for broadcasting, you can order a CD. Please call us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and a phone number, and we will call you back during regular office hours. That's 727-239-0306. Verse by Verse is a faith ministry. We depend upon the gifts and prayers of interested listeners who have first been supportive of their local church. We hope to have you back in class tomorrow for another Verse by Verse as Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff continues his lesson on the basics for a biblical family. 